Welcome to Human First. My name is David Tilston, and this podcast explores the methods, habits, and processes which allow us to excel as human beings. My aim is to utilize the experience and knowledge of experts from a wide range of different fields and to translate these into easy to follow principles that can be adopted by you to improve your life and those around you. Today, I welcome Alex Nino, formerly from a small village in Colombia and now a very popular London-based coach. He specializes in bodyweight skills via one-on-one tuition and is a co-founder of the online platform, The Movement Space. Alex has a wealth of knowledge and a diverse background which has undoubtedly provided a comprehensive approach to getting the most from his clients and his own training. In today's episode, we discuss the importance of learning basic bodyweight movements, real functional methods, how to develop any form of practice and tips for coaching. Let's get into it. Alex, welcome to the podcast today. Thank you for joining me. Uh, absolute pleasure as always to speak to you and to have you on the podcast. How are you? Uh, I'm very well, thank you. And uh, thank you for having me. You know, it, it, it would be nice to to share a few things with uh, with your audience and, and hopefully my audience can also um, listen to the podcast once it's, it's done and live. Completely. Um, a couple of questions that I want to dive in today with you is, were you always into fitness growing up? Because obviously that's going to get into your coaching um, and we can obviously dive into like methods of coaching in that at a later stage. So have you always been into this or is it something that you got into later in life? I have been active all my life, but it was very different back home. I'm from Colombia. I came from a small village where there wasn't gyms at that time. So everything was outdoors. It's always hot, 30 to 35 degrees pretty much every day. Uh, so what you do is you play football, you go to the river, you play volleyball, you play basketball, you run, you cycle, you swim. That's what you do. There is no gym, there is no pumping, you know, there is no movement culture or anything like that. It's just you go and just play. Um, I spend most of the time barefoot and shorts and uh, in the mountains and in the river, close to where we still have the house there. We have a, a couple of rivers and we have some waterfalls and we used to hang around there. Most of the days, you know, it's hard to go there and just have a nice dip in the in the in the river, and then it is lovely. It was pretty much outdoors, uh, so I've been always active. I was very skinny, very skinny. I was probably, I would say, seventy-two kilos up to twenty-two years old when I came to to England. Left Colombia, came to England. Uh, I met a few friends. We used to play football in Hyde Park. But uh, the winter came and there was like no way I'm playing football outside. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that got me. I wanted to still keep active. So um, one of those guys said to me, why don't you join the gym? And I was thinking, gym? Like, okay, let's join the gym. <laughs> and, then, and then being that skinny and then you go to the gym and you see guys, who are, you know, big arms, big chest. And you're thinking like, you know what? It would be nice to get a bit of muscle on. So that got me into lifting weights, uh, sort of a bodybuilding style. And then the proteins, and then someone tell t- you, take creatine and take proteins and pre-workout, post-workout. And then I go into that sort of bodybuilding lifestyle for many years. Uh, it was for about, I would say, maybe eight years. And to be fair, it was very, very useful because uh, for a few reasons, um, I put weight on. I, from, I was probably about 72, 74 kilos when I started the gym. And then when I finished, I ended up with 84, 85 kilos. So in, in, in 10 years, let's say eight to 10 years, I put about 10 kilos. So, you know, and I learned so many things. I learned, you know, all sort of 
programs that people do in bodybuilding, like German volume and then five times five and one rep max and, and endurance and, and strength and power. And it was very useful. Uh, and then from there, I also did a bit of weightlifting in Bethnal Green. There is a weightlifting um, gym in Bethnal Green where the guys go on. I did a bit of that. I did a bit of powerlifting. I did it for about 10, 10 years. Um, and that was, that was, you know, the beginning of, of, of something different. Then from there, uh, one day, <clears throat> I was working in the gym. I was just spotting someone doing bench press. And on my right-hand side, there was the yoga studio. And in the door, there's a little window, a glass window. And then I saw a few legs kicking up and down, you know, and I was thinking, what the hell is going on there? So I said to my client, give me one second. So I went to have a look and they were doing a yoga class and they were kicking into the handstand. And I was thinking, wow, that, that looks very cool. So I wait until I finish my class, my session, and I wait until um, the teacher was finished with the class. And I went to, to him and I say, hey, you know, I, I, I would like to learn how to handstand. And then he said, yes, I can, I can help you with, with that. So we organized a session. We started doing some, uh, but he was a yoga teacher. He's a yoga teacher now, uh, very well-known. He's called Markan. He teaches Dharma yoga. Uh, I think he, he was the first uh, Dharma yoga uh, qualified teacher in, the, in Europe, I think. Um, <clears throat> so he got me into the sun salutation at the beginning, the breath work and blah, blah, blah. And I was thinking to myself, man, I want to do handstands. <laughs> I don't want to do this stuff. Anyway, we did about 90 minutes and I felt so amazing after the session because I was doing the, the, the pumping and I was big and I was quite stiff. I had a few injuries, you know, my back was playing out, my shoulders, my knees, my hips. So there was always something with my body, you know, always, always, always. But I just, you just get on with it, you know, you just keep on going. Uh, and after the session, my spine and my shoulders and, and my mind, uh, it felt really good. So I was thinking like, you know what? Let's just keep doing, keep doing it. And then I spent with him about maybe, we did one-to-one -one sessions twice a week uh, for about six to eight months. And the progress in those six months, it was incredible. My shoulders opened, my spine was open, my hips. I mean, not really open to the point where I'm now, but uh, I, I saw the difference. My body was feeling lighter and, and then, and that got me into more of what I do now. Uh, and then there was another experience. I was in the gym kicking up into the handstand and there was one little girl and she knew about Ido Portal. And she said, oh, you want to learn handstand? You have to check this guy out. Check this guy, this guy out. Uh, and I said, who is that guy? And she said, this Ido Portal. So I put the name onto my, to my phone. And when I go home, I, I Google him, you know? And then when I saw his videos, we're like, wow, man, this is amazing. Uh, and that was uh, my first inspiration from into into what I do now was was uh, Ido Portal. Then I saw his videos, um, and then funny enough, a year later he came to London to teach a workshop with Johnny and Odelia. They do the Movement X, and and I just booked my my spot in the workshop, uh, and that was a an eye opener. And since then, it's been so many you know all the all the teachers who have been um, the inspiration. You know, handstand we go. Miguel, Miguel has been another big inspiration. I trained with him when he used to come to London in his flat. Uh, we used to do the session there and, uh, and then he's another inspiration. And I did a few workshops around with uh, Tom Wexler in, uh, in Barcelona. Um, I even went to Israel for, um, 
for a week and I was doing one-to-one sessions with the guys from the, from the Ido Portal, from the team. Wow. There's a, well, uh, I think it's Stas. There's a, a Russian guy who's been living there for a while. So we did uh, about 15 hours of training. So I was doing one-to-one with them. Uh, and that was really good because then I w- it was, there was more uh, details to be covered than in a, in a workshop. Uh, that was great. And I did, I did movement tools with Edo Portal. I did the corset. I did the uh, movement eggs and I did uh, locomotion. Mm-hmm. So I have done four of his workshops and I went to, to there. Uh, and I have done a few more bits and pieces every now and then. Um, and, you know, I have learned quite a few things, uh, which now I'm, I'm just sharing. It's good. It's um, it's quite a journey actually. If you tracing it all the way back to what you were saying when you were growing up, the methods you were using, you're adopting those methods from a young stage in terms of like walking around barefoot, being outside, which are huge things. We talk about this a lot and have done in previous episodes about how we've moved away from this. We're, we're very much indoor creatures, or many of us, and that's causing a lot of dysfunction. It was evident that you were playing outdoors, you were moving around constantly. So they're giving you almost like a good base. You probably had a good aerobic base, um, a good sense of uh, the environment around you. So you're in tune with your environment as you were doing these things. And I mean, it sounds incredible. It sounds incredible the area you grew up in. And so so what really led you to move uh, to the UK? Was it just something that interested you about England or had you been here before? Well, uh, the reason why I moved to uh, England was because I had a girlfriend in Colombia. We, we were together for about two years. Uh, they were quite wealthy. And at that time in Colombia, there was a lot of um, extortion. You know, you have money, people go and give me the money. Otherwise, I'm going to kidnap you. Or I'm going to burn your house. or I'm going to hurt you, basically. Uh, and they had to move to America. So they went to America. Uh, and I was in love, to be honest. Um, I was missing her. I was like, oh, shit, man. You know, life is... It's not good. Um, and then I was watching a program on TV and they were showing uh, London. So there was the Big Ben, the Tower Bridge, the, the House of Parliament and Hyde Park. And I was thinking like, wow, that place looks amazing. I wonder if that's actually real. Then I did a bit more research and I was thinking, wow, it would be, it would be nice to, to go and do somewhere different just to forget about, you know, the girlfriend and, and maybe look for another opportunity somewhere else, learn another language, Mm-hmm. meet different people and do something different. Um, and, and that was like a little spark that, okay, that would, and then I did more research and I think, I was thinking, you know what, why not? And, and you know, I, I had a motorbike, I sold the motorbike, I spoke to a friend of my, my brother who is a wealthy guy, I said, listen, I want to do this, but I don't have enough money because I had to buy the tickets and at that time. I mean, at that time, the pound was so expensive to pay for the school I paid for eight months I had to pay two months of accommodation so if you compare the pound with the pesos it was like whoa that was way too much money but I was thinking like you don't risk they say you don't risk an egg you won't have a chicken (laughs) and then and then I I found the money I found the money from you know friends so this so that blah 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 and I got the money I applied for the visa they gave me the visa and I said you know what that's it. And then I told my friends and my, my family, so I'm going to England. I'm going to London in two months. And they were like, what? I said, yeah, everything is, is done. They didn't believe me. And they didn't really even, it's just difficult to understand you from a really tiny village somewhere there where no one knows. And then suddenly you're going to uh, the, the, no, I wouldn't say the biggest city on the planet, but one of the most 
known and I would probably even say the most important city on the planet. And what did you go from? What are you going to do there? You don't understand the language. You don't know anyone. It's cold. It's this and this. And it was like, what would you do there? What did, you know, here you have the family, you have food, you go, nice weather. What would you do there? I said, well, you know, why not? Yeah. Um, and that was in 2000. I love the fact that you were willing to drop everything and just try it because that again has, looking back, sort of how I've gone through things in the last say 15 years it's something that I try to adopt and learning this from other people that were older than myself saying do you know what why not why not give it a go because if it doesn't work it doesn't work I'll just try something else and it's very easy just to say oh do you know I'll just keep going but it's always it's always good to say to yourself is this it is there more is there something else I can work towards can I strive towards doing something a little bit better equally on the opposing side, content with life and understanding that life, we are exactly where we need to be already, is something else. But I think those things work hand in hand. Development and that, an appreciation of where you're at, they work really well together. But yeah, taking risks is, is brilliant. It's also nice, isn't it, just to, to get rid of stuff and just say, I'm just going to start again. I'm just going to go away, and try try again. Yeah, it's been, a, it's been a journey and I have learned so much. And uh, as you said, I am super grateful for everything that I that I have now. Mm. But I am this this kind of uh, person who I'm very happy, very grateful. But there is so much more that can be done. Okay, one thing that I'm always I'm always uh, thinking about is you shouldn't be greedy. You should not be. I'm not thinking about I want more money. Money is really something that I don't care. I want to be better. I want to improve my quality of life. How? I want to move better. I want to eat healthier. I want to find ways that I, I can improve my sleeping, my eating, my movement. I can improve the quality of the, of the life who live around me, which are my family, the people who I deal with every day, my clients. What can I talk about to my, to my client that they might be benefit from it? Like, you know, the sleeping, the fasting, the juicing, the moving. The, the, you know, the, a bit of cardio, a bit of a strength, stretch, push, pull, you know, all those things that you can just give to people to actually make an impact, you know, in, in a good way, in a good way. Uh, and I'm always searching for that. And also how, how can we expand? How, if I helping 10 people at the moment, how could I help hundred people? Then we created an online platform and then, you know, and things starting to, but the aim is not really the money, but it's how can we help more people? What can we do for those guys, you know? And, and I'm doing it through the experience, you know, after going through, as you talked before, you know, I'm living back in Colombia, was great, you know, barefoot, moving around, back to London, got to the gym for 10 years. I, I wouldn't say I, I abused my body, but I, in some way I was probably doing it because I was doing some stuff that it was actually, yes, it was building a bit of muscle, a bit of a strength. But again, I did it and I learned so much from it. Now I know because I went through it. So when someone comes with me from a bodybuilding background with, or CrossFit or with, when the bodies are broken uh, and the only thing they think about is more muscle, push more, more protein, blah, 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 blah. Say, hey, don't worry. I was that guy for 10 years. So I completely understand what you're going through and I can help you because I changed my life. Now I don't need to think about protein of eating every couple of hours I don't need to think about my supplements. I don't need to think about, oh, I need to leave this. I need to do five times 10 of this way because mm. this is my 
you know, blah, blah, blah. And it just life gets too complicated. Now it's a little bit more relaxed. I'm here for the long run. I want to enjoy what I do and I want to help other people. Yeah, you can paralyze yourself with um, all of these statistics and marginal gains when you're looking to say improve a certain lift. And in the end, if you take into account too much, if you look at like a, a year program, you might never move. And for most of us, most of us just need to move more, move more and better. Uh, I'd say the quality of the movement is really important. But yeah, like going outdoors, going back to your childhood, looking at the sports you're into and just playing is obviously I know that's one of Edo's big things. Is like playing more as a as a human being. Like, how can you you play more, but with intent to learn something from that process? And I actually want this to get back into what did you really learn from the time you spent with Ido? Because he's his teachings, and I haven't been fortunate to spend time with Ido as a person, but with his team with Adelia, with Johnny, and and a few others, learning different methods like the, the corset and various other bits and pieces. Um, but I definitely learned quite a bit in my approach to looking at things and breaking things down and then building things back into sequences. I just wondered, what did you really take from that experience and what have you continued to learn because of those things you learned years ago? How has it influenced you today? Uh, a few things. First of all, to, be, uh, to have an open mind. Second, to be curious. Always have that curiosity. Uh, third, I would say the quality. The quality of what you do is more important than the quantity. I would say fourth, um, I like when something is that might look too complex, too difficult, is broken down into very small chunks of information. And this is something that I love to do. You know, a lot of people say, I want to be able to do, let's say, a pull up, okay? Someone new. Like for, I'm gonna give you an example, John. John is 67 years old. Actually, no, when he came to me, he was 65. Now he's 67, 68. And we did a test, like a hanging test. He couldn't even hang from the bar. He couldn't get up, get up from the chair without using his hand. So he was pretty much going down, 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 down. Okay, now you see John, John is a machine. Six pull-ups, push-ups, lunges, squats, a machine. So, so for so me, good. that was the best job. The best job I've ever done in my life is training John. That's the one I'm the most proud because his life now is completely different. He played with his grandkids. He does the garden. He does the shopping. He goes, he goes to the uh, Lake District. He climbs there for you know a few hours, comes out. That is my best job ever. Not the one who I helped to do a handstand present, to do a handstand because that for me is very... Uh, it's a... It's a it's a trick, let's put it that way. John's job was to improve his quality of life. He cannot do handstands, he cannot do handstand press, but what he can do now compared to what he could do before, that is the most amazing thing. And how did I do that? By breaking things down and say, okay, John, today we're going to do 10 seconds of false grip. That's what we're doing today, John. We do 10 seconds of false grip and then we do an eccentric squat. So you're gonna come down very slow, very, very slow and you sit down and then you use your hands to go up. So that is, you know, for me, it's, 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 it's amazing. Mm. We started from absolutely nothing. And now you can see John, amazing. He's, he's a great guy. He's, and being able to do that, you know, you don't necessarily have to, to uh, I don't have to tell John, okay, John, today we're going to do front levers, back levers, one-up chin-ups. I mean, that for me are tricks. 
There is no yeah. need to be able to do that, to have a healthy and, and a functional body that can do the thing that we're supposed to do. Mm. That was what I, I took from, from that. I taught a workshop with a good friend of mine and, and colleague, Ed, Ed Norman, and he was part of his talk to the group initially was that what we need to prioritize at the top of the list is always injury prevention. So injury prevention at the top, because for anyone that's been injured, I'm sure many people that have been listening have had some form of injury or niggle. You know that your full attention is on that injury and a knee issue or a shoulder issue for any anyone who goes about a so-called normal life. And what I mean by that is no training involved, just a normal lifestyle will know how much it impacts on you. But say you're a runner, if you run, a knee issue is going to be a huge thing. Or if you're into hand balancing or calisthenic gymnastic type training, a shoulder issue is one of the worst things you can get. And everyone's had elbow tendonitis to some degree, I'm sure, or wrist issues. But it it's really important to prioritize that because it's something that on reflection, if you are injured later in life, it's going to impede your, like you said, like playing with the grandchildren. And if we're constantly seeking these goals in our 30s or 20s, 30s, 40s, whatever it might be, that are at the detriment of our long-term experience. Like if our knees are completely shot to pieces and we can't lift our arms above our head, we're going to seriously have a quality of life that depends on other people because we can't do basic human patterns. And it was partly, again, another reason for the podcast was to explore what are the basics? What are the fundamentals that we need to focus on? Yeah, definitely. They, they say prehab, so you don't rehab. Mm. Yeah, you, you 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 catch it way before it happens. Like you're that the tiny little bits done every day consistently stop any major. I say this with healthcare as well. Um, someone in my in my family sells uh, or recommends insurance for people, which is very valid. It's important because we live in a society where we need to guarantee stuff. But equally, on the opposing side, you have investment in your health and your fitness. If you constantly invest a little bit of money and time into your fitness every day, you don't end up with, uh, well, you'd like to think you wouldn't end up with an acute issue in hospital, but if you fail to look after yourself for a long period of time, all of a sudden, it's like that energy is going to go somewhere or lack of energy is going to contribute. And I just think it's that consistency. It doesn't have to be much every day, but as you refer to your, your client, sitting down, standing up and hanging from a door frame or hanging from a pull-up bar brings the arms overhead, helps to improve the spine. A squat is a basic pattern because we need to go to the toilet. So, and if you get caught out in a country with no toilet, you're going to have to find a deep squat. <laughs> <laughs> so it's yes, really it's important, those, it's basic. Those, yeah. It's those basics. Yeah, having the basics, cover your basics. And then if you cover your basics correctly, then you will have time to start working on the on the tricks. I call them tricks. You, I call this is how I call my my practice or or anyone's practice or whatever. We cover the basics, you know. And now we cover also what we call it functional. Yeah, okay. But functional is it depends on the person. Okay, the, the functional flexibility for someone who is a police officer or for someone who is an office worker is going to be different. You know, so we, we, I, I like to analyze my clients. Okay, what do you do? What is your daily lifestyle? What time do you get up? What do you do in a day? How much activity do you do? What do you spend most of the time? 
Now, most of my clients, you know, in front of the computer. So what's happening in that position? The upper back muscles are overstretched, no strength, chest, front muscles, very tired. They just have this posture. So that person, I'm not interested in teaching that person to bring their feet to the head. You know, there is no need for that. Why? Why do you need to touch your head with your, with your toes? Why do you need to do a crazy bridge? You know, you need some upper back, you know, rumbles, upper uh, middle trap strengthening. You need to release the tension for your upper trap. You need to stretch your chest. You need to get a scapula to work. You need to open your hip flexors and you need to do, you know, that for me is functional for that person. Then I have a yoga teacher who is super flexible and, you know, and then, and then they can touch the toes with the head and they can do all the stuff. But then I see them that there is no much strength. So then I'm going to give that person, okay, we're going to do some strengthening of the hamstring. When I strengthen your, your erectus spine muscle, we're going to do some strengthening, you know? And then I have a bodybuilder who can see a big muscle, you know, super strong. They can't even touch your toes. So what I'm going to do with that person, I'm going to do some passive stretching, man. Relax, you know, breathing, let the muscle, let your body be soft, you know? So everyone, I think, that everyone should be treated very different depending on, on, on their lifestyle. So there is no program fits all at all. I don't believe in that. And a lot of people make money. You know, they, they come up with funky names and they do this program and they just tell it to everyone and everyone does the same. And I'm like, how could you give that program to everyone? You know, when you exercise, let's, let me, I'm going to give you another example. For example, I have been doing it by myself and with my clients. Uh, let's do you do three sets of one minute stretching yeah and that might be great for you but maybe for that person maybe it's to do six sets of 30 seconds you know or maybe we do two sets of three minutes yeah so same volume but split into smaller chunks again referring back to some of the principles from from like Edo's teachings and, and and that sort of stuff as well but also what you've picked up over the years with your own methods yeah, and another thing as well that I, I do myself, I call it intuitive training. You know, uh, I used to have a lot of structure before in my training. I have done all of them, you know, from the bodybuilding for the powerlifting, while your PR, take the 65%, do five reps, you know, all that stuff, you know, all is done, which is great. If you, want, if you have a, a specific goal that you want to you wanna reach in a specific time. You know, I'm not an athlete. I'm not going to go to the Olympic Games. I don't do this to, to perform or I don't do this. You know, I do it because I like it. So now the way I do things is very different. I, I'm an intuitive person, you know. I still do my pushing, my pulling, my squatting. You know, the, the, for me, are the three most important things. You push, you pull, you squat. That's it. I always do it. I do it in a different way. Sometimes, let's say I get up today. And I do a few stretches and I feel my back is a bit stiff. You know what? I think today is going to be a spine day. And I do spine day. You know, tomorrow I might get up and I feel like, oh, you know what? What about if we do handstands today? What about if we do hips today? What about if I go and do a really good cardiovascular session? Go on that bike, get 10K, 20K flat out. What about you get a kettlebell and do some clean and presses, supersetting with pull-ups or chin-ups? So mm. now that's the way I, I, I pretty much do my thing. There is no specific day that you're going to do this or that. I just go and move mm. and I listen to my body. Sometimes I just go to the gym. I do a little bit of cardio, 10, 15 minutes, and then go and stretch for an hour. And this is it, you know? So it, it's, but that's because that's 
the way I live my life. You know, I have done so many things that are, but for someone who is new, who is lazy, who doesn't have much time, you need to give them a structure and then you need to be specific. Okay, you're going to do this, 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 and this. So again, different methods work for different people. No one method is the best or the worst. It's just mm-hmm. different people have need have or, or need different methods. So it's like a like puzzle, you know, you have to keep moving, moving around until it fixed, and then okay, that's mine. I'm gonna keep it. Yeah, and your past experience, and this is what I find as well, because you've tried a number of different methods. I can relate to the bodybuilding side. I've talked about this in previous episodes, but it does give you a form of structure. I think this is the good thing about bodybuilding is it does teach you how to, not saying this is a correct way to segregate things, but it does teach you that you have to sort of not do everything the same all the time. So even if you are splitting, I don't massively agree with this now, but splitting things into chest and triceps, back and biceps. Delts would always get paired up with some random thing as well. Delts and abs and the quad muscle or sort of something. But it, it really taught me that, okay, there needs to be a structure. So it taught me organization, like actually writing diaries and planning my training in advance. I think that quality alone is huge. Equally, it taught me that you can segregate things, like pull things out the equation and look at it and go, hmm, why isn't my, I don't know, why isn't my quad strong why is my hamstring dominant so do i need to do more and most of the times bodybuilding is looking from like a hypertrophy and size perspective but now looking at like you were saying about yogis and and i can relate to the whole yoga journey you went through as well mine was almost identical in the fact that but my wife actually got me into it i saw it i got addicted and i thought this is brilliant like the difference in my body was unbelievable but three years down the line you start to notice hmm Things are a bit long and weak. Things aren't strong. My hamstrings are weak. So I go and do a deadlift again. It's like, where's all that gone? Well, I used to be able to deadlift X amount of weight. So it's always, like you said, it's so individual. And this is the value. Tom Merrick and I talked about this at length. Having a coach to pick holes in your practice is so important, even if you're checking in once every two months. And then they say, go away and practice that. That is your task for two months. Go and do the work. You don't need me here all the time. Just go and do it and then come back and we work on the next stage together. The value in that is huge, but equally having someone point fingers at you twice a week has huge value as well, probably even more so. So yeah, I think the importance of an individualized approach really will yield more benefits in time. Yeah, 100%, 100%. And and that's one of the reasons I believe... um... I'm very busy because I treat all my clients very individually. So first of all, I, I ask them, what do you want? That's the first question. What is it that you want? Some people come and they don't really know. Oh, well, I want to be strong. I want to be flexible. I want to do this and that. I mean, that's, a, that's, that's very interesting because, you know, flexible. where do you want to be flexible? Where do you want to be strong? Do you have any specific movement mm-hmm. or, or in general? Because, you know, when it comes to strength, there are different types of strength. There are different types of flexibility. You have so many joints in your body. So, you know, you cannot say, I want to, it's like you say, I want to be rich. <laughs> how rich? <laughs> what is rich for you, first of all? What is rich for you and how rich? So I, I, I always ask people, what is it that you want? Uh, what is it that you would like to have? And, uh, and do you know what you need? 
And most, sometimes they say, yeah, I need, I, I need a bit of this, I need a bit of that, I need a bit of that. And then I like to do a, a bit of assessment to see where they are. And I'm very honest and say, okay, listen, your hamstrings are really tight. Uh, your overhead shoulder flexion is rubbish. Uh, your spine is super tight. This is what you need to do in order to give your body a little bit more, more chances, chances of having a better longevity, let's put it that way. Uh, and that's the first thing I do. Some people don't like to hear those things. And some people feel very, um, they appreciate it, you know, but I don't care if they don't like it because I'm not interested in, in working with someone who is interested only on, on the things they want instead of listening to, to the things they really need to, yeah. you know, to be, to, to be or to have a, a better quality of life. Because at the end of the day, if you are not, if you cannot move properly, your quality of life is not going to be good. Full stop. Mm. You have to be able to move in a, in, in, a, in a nice way. You don't have to be able to be a contortionist or an Olympian, but you still need some kind of flexibility and strength in your body and awareness. That is, you know, that is a fact. Yeah, that is, you're really highlighting the attributes that everyone's going to move slightly differently. And we've all got our little niches. We've all got our things, our weaknesses uh, that can be worked upon. But I can definitely relate to as a coach and as a student, first and foremost, it's very easy to move towards your strengths. It's very easy to say, I'm good at this, so I want more training in this. But uh, uh, this is actually something I learned from... um, more so probably with Ido looking at his, st- his step approach in terms of the stages, like where are you and where do you sit? Do you walk into a room and say, yeah, I've chosen this again in terms of I'm strong at this movement, so I'm going to be in this class because I'm the best in here. If you're the best in the room, it's the saying, is it the best in the room, you're in the wrong room because you're not challenging yourself. And the approach of walking into a room and feeling horrendous at a certain movement pattern feeling completely out of your depth has such huge value, not only as as a learning process, the ego being absolutely beaten up in the process. And you're thinking, I thought I was good at, I thought I'd be good at this, but I'm actually horrendous. And that's why I loved yoga because I got into it, or yoga asana. Um, For all its flaws, it's still, to me, it has a lot of benefits. It does, there's a lot contained within that practice or different forms of that practice, uh, which all have their different benefits. But for me, it was one sitting still was a huge benefit. Um, following my breath for an hour and a half, two hours, getting hot, sweaty, uncomfortable, my back aching. And sitting still is a huge quality, isn't it? And you were referring as well earlier, you were saying about really working on people's like standing posture. Why would you give them an advanced skill doing a toes to bar with a, with a huge compression, with a really flat compression? when they can't even stand up because most of their day, well, I'd like to think most people's days are not hanging from a pull-up bar, but you're not going to, you're not going to promote the thing that they only do for X amount of times per day. You're going to look at the things that they want to do or have to do more as a human being. The the other thing I loved is that you ask them what they want to achieve because I think it's very easy as a coach to have your methods, have your methodology and say these are my methods you comply but it's always a um it's a you're gonna have to meet in the middle somewhere and that slide is going to go between you and them 
on a daily basis, sometimes a little bit more of their way, sometimes a little bit more of your way. But fundamentally, as a coach, you're also in a form of responsibility where you say, yeah, I've got this. Like, I know what I'm doing. I've been here before. I've been the bodybuilder. I've been all of these things that you're going through right now. And I'm telling you this works from my my experience as a coach with myself and with my clients. So there's an element of trust there. But yeah, I I loved, I loved, I love your approach. Uh, You also mentioned something because obviously we work together uh, on on a platform that you set up, uh, which we'll go into at the end. But I remember you saying on one of the first conversations we had as a group about how to teach people uh, with three different ways of looking at their, their practice. So from like an experienced person to someone that needs help. Could you could you just go into that? Because I, I really think that's actually stayed with me over the last year. I love the approach. Oh, yeah, yes. Um, that happens because um, when, when I started teaching online, uh, because when you teach in person, you have sort of a bit of um, visual cues of, of what a person is doing. So you can sort of, you know, give them good instructions according to their capabilities. Now, when you're teaching online, you have, I mean, when I started teaching online at the beginning of the COVID thing, I used to have like 70, 80 people doing a class. And I was thinking like, wow, man, I haven't even had this amount of people in in, in person. So how am I going to handle this? And I'm like, holy man, I'm thinking out. And then then something came up and said, okay, let's just stop. Think about how could you give a good class? And then then I was thinking, okay, let's see. Let's imagine I have three people in the class, okay? One is going to be my grandma, okay? The second one is going to be my mate, someone who trains with me. We have similar capabilities. And then we have someone who is better than I am. He's, he's an advanced person. So I have the advanced, I have me, intermediate, and I have someone who is a completely beginner. So when I teach online, I always think about, okay, who is the beginner or, or what? is the beginner going to be able to do? And also, how is he going to understand my terminology, the words I use? If someone is a beginner and I say, okay, we try your, scap- your scapula, external rotator, your, your arm, and then they're gonna be clueless. They won't understand that, even though for us it's very easy to understand because we use it every day. But for someone who's you, they don't know what the scapula is. They don't know, they don't know what external rotation is. So what words are you going to use? My mom, I think if I said to my mom, depress and retry your scallop, she will laugh. She will go like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> so first of all, I need to use words that those people can understand. Second, I need to show them in a way that they can say, yes, I can do that. Mm-hmm. Now, if I can do that to my grandma or to my mom, I'm, I'm good. Now, I'm going to go to the intermediate. Okay, the intermediate might be able to do something a little bit more difficult. And he might be able to understand those words. So I'm sort of, I play between the words I use and the way I show people things. And then I'm thinking, okay, about this, I mean, I have these people who, this person who is advanced, I'm not going to be to show you, I'm not going to be able to show you what you can do. But if I can tell you what you can try to do, because I do understand how things work. And if, I, I always believe in one thing. Some people don't agree with me. But you don't have to be able to do one thing in order to teach it if you understand how it works. And one of the reasons why I say that is that just have a look at a football coach. Do you think the, the, the coach of Cristiano Ronaldo is going to be better than Cristiano Ronaldo? Of course not. 
or Messi, but they have the quality or they have the vision to be able to help them to improve the game. They don't or they are not as good as they are, but they can see how they can help them become better. And as us as a coaches, we don't have to be better than our students. And there is a lot of a lot of stuff going around that, yeah, you have to be able to do it, you have to be able to, to show, you have to be able to I say, I don't agree with that. And if you another example is like uh, I forgot his name of um, Usain Bolt, Usain Bolt, the fastest man on the planet. Do you think that, that his coach is going to be better than him? Of course, no. His coach is going a big belly and he drinks beer when he was training him, you know? So, but he had the, the, the vision to say, okay, this is how you're going to run. This is how you're going to move your arm. This is what you're going to do. This is the drills. This is what you're going to do. And he structured the, the, the coaching, the, the program, and he made the fastest man on the planet. So you don't have to be better than your client and you don't have to be able to do something in order to explain and to help someone doing it. I do believe in that 100%. Some people might not agree with me, but you know what? I've got some of my clients who are way more flexible and way stronger than I am, and they keep on improving. I don't have to improve, but I can help them to improve because I know how things work. So this is, this is another big, big thing that I, I talk about a lot with, with different coaches, you know? And some people agree, some people say, you, you talk the talk and you walk the walk, they said. Yeah, I, I can definitely see the logic in that because there's two ways well there's many ways you can look at this so it's a multifaceted approach but i think that if you're on the the journey if you understand the process so i think the one of the the, the aspects within the industry where someone does a course and they've done it for a week so they they've learned a handstand for a week as an example absolutely agree with you and they want to yeah handstand. yes i know your point yeah yeah and i agree whereas you are you've dived into it, you spent a lot of time analyzing it, and then you can you can cross-reference these things. I think we tend to see these skills in different boxes, but when you pull the attributes out, so when we talked about earlier, stripping these things down into manageable chunks, you see the same attributes contained within different disciplines. And that is where you can pull one out of one discipline, orientate it, change it slightly, and stick it back into the other one. Because then you go, actually, well, if my arm's overhead in a Turkish get-up at the top of the movement pattern as I'm standing, so shoulder flexion, hands above the head, then there's got to be a similar process if my hand's on the floor and I'm inverted. There must be something similar happening at the shoulder. So when you start to analyze that, then you can say, yeah, okay, I, I can see how it crosses over. Equally, that experience, even if it's a little bit of experience and going through the grind a bit, I think has huge value when you come to a client and you say, yeah, I've tried this. I've done this. I've worked to a certain point and I've got enough experience to say, I, I know where this is going. So that's a slight difference, isn't it? You definitely have to have some experience mm-hmm. in what you're doing in order to be able to teach it. You don't have to be the best. You don't have to be better than the person you're going to be teaching, but you definitely need to have some experience with it. hundred percent. Like a football coach, might not be the best footballer, but they, they need to understand how football works. And as, as you say, some people are teaching handstands and they, they, they can't even do a handstand and they're teaching. I'm like, wow, man, that's 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 yeah. quite crazy. It's da- dangerous as well. I mean, you know, you don't have a clue. Yeah. Look at your handstand. <laughs> Look at the way you do a handstand. And, and then you, you're teaching someone to do a handstand. That is like, wow, you know? Yeah, and, and let's look at this another way. You wouldn't hire a badminton coach to teach 
a world-class football team. Not to say that he wouldn't <laughs> offer some value, but yes. he's not he's not yeah, a football yeah. coach. And and I think <laughs> or like getting the cleaner to be the engineer on your your brand new car. It's just you, 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 this is the difference, isn't it? When you're in that field, when you're working with these same types of movement patterns, you can really appreciate and cross-reference and move them across and uh, and apply. But yeah, you, you can't step into something. And this is the problem with, my opinion, this is the problem with the industry is that if you look at older, say, older cultures or these ancient cultures where the martial artist, uh, this is something that one of my teachers taught me, that the master would teach half the discipline half the art to one student and half the art to the other one. Then what he'd do, whoever he thought was worthy of carrying on the principle, he'd teach the other half to. So one person had the full art and the other person only had half. So they could teach together, but not on their own. So he had to trust in one of them, but they had to give up a decade, two decades, maybe 30 years to the process to show that they were willing to carry it on. And I'm not saying you have to give that amount of time, but... We're in this time critical environment where you can go on a course on a weekend and you can become a combat instructor and in four hours. And I'm thinking, I know nothing after 11 years, <laughs> nothing at all. So I'm still working these processes and there's people far more advanced than me that will will attest to a similar process that they're still learning. So, yeah, time, time and dedication is a huge thing, isn't it? You, you made a good point, uh, and now because the, the wellness or the fitness industry is a business, and there are a lot of people out there who come up with very funky and fancy names, they, they reward it or they, you know, they make it sound like, wow, this is amazing, get a split in four weeks, you're going to do this, blah, 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 and they come up with some crazy shit, man, and the people out there, people who are uh, ignorant, because they, they don't know, you know, they don't know. It's not, not because they are stupid. It's because when you don't know, you don't know, you know? So these marketing campaigns and, you know, get this info with, get qualified, blah, blah, blah. And they just brainwash. And what? They get the money, they give them a lot of rubbish and they, those people go and start spreading the, what they learn, which might be good, but I doubt it, you know? Because you need to spend some time practicing and, and studying something before you can teach it. You cannot just go and do a weekend course and, is that, you know, I mean, no disrespect to, to the yoga uh, teachers, but there are so many yoga teachers who never did yoga before. Mm. They go and do 200 hours. They do one month of, of practice and they come and start teaching. It's like, wow. I mean, you know, I mean, some of them might be great teachers because they might be practicing before or they were, have a lot of passion, but I don't know. I don't know. It's just a bit tricky, you know? Or yeah. you can become a PT online. You can be, do everything online, become a personal trainer, become oh, that, a coach. You're like, wow, that's crazy. That is that is a huge thing. And because because of the whole recent, um, I keep saying the word because everyone's fed up of the thing, but obviously because of the whole pandemic side of it, businesses have been forced into more online. Like I'm involved in an online platform, but we understand as coaches, myself and, and Ed um, and Simon and John, that these things you need to be in person for the best experience you need to see people and we understand that like if we have any opportunity to train people in person we'll take it but i understand some people have businesses that run around the world and they can't do so but to qualify is very different to an experience because obviously the movement space is teaching these things uh, through a screen because it is a medium it is a way to learn a process 
but equally to qualify someone who's teaching someone else, that's a little bit different. Your patterns aren't being looked at. You, you could you could be learning a pattern because we, something else I learned over the years is that we interpret everything at the moment we learn it. So what I mean by that, with the knowledge we have at that time, that's how we interpret that information that comes in. So if it's like having a pair of red glasses on, if you see all your images in red and you put a set of blue glasses on, you're going to start to interpret these things very differently because you're going to see certain things at that time. Equally, your reference points are smaller. So I don't have as many reference points as a 15-year-old as I do as a 30-year-old. I can't relate these practices to different things. I can't say, okay, yeah, I understand that because of my experience I've had in the last 15 years and I can apply those things. So without the ability to have someone adjust you and move you into place, you might look at a pattern and go, yeah, that, yeah, I can do that. I nailed it. Absolutely nailed it. Right, I'm going to go and teach that to someone else. But if you don't have someone adjusting you, because when I was getting adjusted in Thailand with a very traditional yoga asana lineage, I'd get adjusted and twisted and like like moved around. I'm like, ah, that's completely different to how I thought it should feel. So now I get it. So the quality starts to actually degrade, especially if the person that's learned online is teaching someone else online within three weeks. I know many people that have learned um, body work and are teaching very quickly, not to say that has no value, but again, the hands-on approach, as it, is, as it sounds like for yourself, we understand that that is first and foremost, if you can get to it, that is really important for a learning process, and especially as a coach. And especially we're we working with bodies. It's not like we're working with, uh, let's say, languages or numbers, because I can learn a language online. That's absolutely fine. I don't, need to, I don't need to have someone in front of me, because I can, I can hear or I can learn how to draw online. You can show me how to draw online, that's fine. But when you're working with a person that has a different shape, have a different uh, height, a weight, movement patterns from before, it's very hard to pick it from, 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 a, from a camera. It's, it's, I mean, I don't know. I mean, yes, you can guide people to do things, which is great, but to become a personal trainer and learn how to become a personal trainer or a coach online, uh, yes, you can learn so much. You can learn theory. You can learn, you know, great. But if you are going to work with people uh, uh, or you're going to get qualified to work with people uh, online, you, you, I don't know. I don't think it's maybe possible, but you need, you need to have someone with you. Definitely, 100%. You need to see people in real. You need to see how they move. You need to feel how they move to be qualified. I, I just find it very difficult to become a, a, a coach with online studies. Yeah. So you're really missing out on a couple of, if we really break it down, some people interpret information better through different processes. Some people might learn better through seeing, some people through doing and feeling these these patterns and also through written um, explanations, we can interpret these things differently. But if we remove the feeling process and the doing, that does, it takes away a huge part of the learning process. So what we're really sort of moving towards is saying if you have qualified online there is huge value in seeking out a coach to continue your development so you can help not only yourself but teach other people as well yes i agree i agree 100 percent. yes i mean of course you you can learn so much online like loads and you can your knowledge could be amazing but what about when you have someone in front of you someone who is who's got a short femur? 
longer femur, wider hips, you know, long arm, short arm, the hips are rotated to one side. What happens when you get to someone like that where you're going to, oh, hold on one second. Not everyone is going to have the same shape. No one is going to be good as when you learn online that they give you the perfect person, shoulders back, this, this. Okay, great. Okay, what happens when you find someone who has, who is very different? You're going to be like, oh, I never saw this before. You can handle it because, you know, so this is my, this is my, this is my, my point. You know, you know the theory, but what about experience? What about, you know, having someone who is, I mean, uh, yesterday I had a, a, a new client uh, and I've never seen anyone as tight as this guy. But for me, that's, you know what? I, I said to him, listen, you stay with me. By the end of the year, you're going to see a huge difference in your body because I already know what I'm going to do with this guy. And he's going to have, you know, I'm working with another guy who had a hip replacement, both of them. And his range of motion and his his fit guy, 40, 45. Uh, he goes to the gym, but he's he likes to do his um lifting heavy and stuff. And then and he approached me one day, he saw me in in, in gym, like stretching and said, he said, Hey man, you know what? I wish I could do what you do. And I said, Well, you can if you want to. Why not? And he said, No, I have hip replacement, I have this and this. And I said, Yeah, but you you go new hips, man. You could be better than me. You go new hips, you know. You're I'll bionic, come on. And I can move this way. So <laughs> <laughs> and I said to him, okay, what did the doctor tell you? Can you get through full, to full range of motion of your hips? And he said, yes. I said, okay, let me ask you one thing. If you want to be flexible, what are you doing? Have lunges with, with 100 kilos on your back? Tell me, do you think that is going to help you? Doing partial reps with a lot of weight? And he was like, mm, maybe not. I said, of course it's not going to help you. You need to go through full range of motion, put the weight on the side, Open up those hips. Nothing wrong by doing strength training. I think strength training is really good. But if you want this, and it's like if you want to have a salad, yeah, and then you go and eat crisps, you're like, well, there are two different things, you know? If, if you want not, to get lean, yeah. but you eat 5,000 calories a day, it's like, okay, it's not going to work. Yeah, having the salad followed by a <laughs> triple ice cream sundae. <laughs> is not balancing the equation it's exactly exactly <laughs> exactly so uh yeah. so yes i'm working with those two guys at the moment which for me is like wow i really this is what i like this is what i like challenge the guy with the with the hip replacement both of them i mean it's going to be amazing because this is a good challenge for me and the other guy who is and he's also young he's 40 45 and he is like he, his forward fault his hands are not below his knees crazy like Crazy. I never seen someone as tight as this guy. But I'm like, whoa, this is what I want. And I said to him, trust me, do the homework, stay, stick with me for at least until the end of the year, and you will see your whole body transform. And I go photos. So in six months, I will put the photos and then we will see where he is at that time. So good, isn't it? You, you, I, I can completely appreciate this. I've, I've got a gentleman that's been with me for the last three or four years, and now he's, he deep squats, heels to his, uh, sorry, butt to his heels. Uh, he can sit there for do his gardening without using a chair. He sits and has his morning coffee and does his like little mobility, but he's always in a deep squat, and that was one of his big things. He wanted to improve his walking, so he worked on things like using down dog to improve the range of motion for his Achilles and his sort of posterior chain. And he's got none of the issues that he used to have. And we looked at his nutrition. And I think when you have those challenges, when you see a huge gain over time, especially when they're so consistent, it's so rewarding, not only as a, as a coach, but for them to go through that experience. They actually say, oh, 
I can do it. And they're more likely to inspire someone else to do that journey as well. It's very easy to say I'm too old. And you know how, and, and you know what I like from that is that you don't need to be doing all the fancy, the crazy stuff that looks good and it looks cool and it looks amazing mm. to have a healthy body. This is my point as well, you know, because social media is something that, you know, I was probably in that category before. Like just, let's find something really cool because we get a lot of likes and we, you know, we, we become cool like this. But at the end of the day, all that stuff, there is no need for it. Honestly, there is no need to be able to do one arm chin up. There is no need to be able to do one arm handstand. There is no, there is no need to do a back from liver. Why? There is no need for that. All that stuff, as we get older, is going to go. Yeah. Everything is going to go. What are you going to get? And sometimes, I'm not saying that it's wrong to do that. It's cool to do that. Mm. It's challenging. It's, you have to work hard for it. It's not going to come easy. But if you want to have a healthy body, if you want to have a decent longevity and quality of life, man, stick to the basics. Do a bit of flexibility, do a bit of strength training, do a bit of coordination training, go and do a bit of cardiovascular work. That is going to keep you there. That's going to keep you healthy, my friend. You don't need to do a handstand press to, to be healthy. No, you do need to do a little bit of overhead pushing. You need to do that, but it doesn't have to be a handstand. It could be you going on a pipe shape or doing a bit of you know, dumbbell presses or a barbell, just do a bit of pushing overhead. Mm. Do a bit of pushing vertical. Do a bit of pulling horizontal vertical. Do a bit of squatting, do some landing. You know, you don't need to be able to do splits. You don't need to be able to do a flat pancake to have a healthy hit, you know? Uh, and But some people think, oh, I need to be able to do this. I need to be able to do this. Like, no, you don't. You don't need to do that, my friend. You just need to make sure the hips are working in a good way, you know? And I would I say to the people, okay, your hips need to do flexion, extension, adduction, abduction, internal rotation, external rotation. We need to work these six patterns. Mm -hmm. If you can cover them without any problem, my friend, you have good hips. That's it. So what you're saying is use the hip as a ball and socket joint. So take it through its full range of motion and wherever, not just the hip, but you're saying all these other things you're talking about, the shoulders, the spine, where can you not move? Let's get into it. Let's look at where you can't get to because that's what we need to assess. So uh, I look at this with different disciplines. Put one thing, again, I talked about this with Tom, but we put one thing in maintenance mode and then you develop the other qualities. So the other things are ticking along. You come back, you check on them. Yep, still there, brilliant. Okay, not a problem. Come back, let's, let's continue to develop these other things. So you've almost got this even playing field it's like you can do all these different patterns with your hip you can fully extend the knee you can take deep flexion with the knee so we can look at squat and then you start to put them into patterns and squash them together so you've got hip flexion with deep knee flexion and ankle extension for example and that's the difference isn't it yes and and and, and once you have the cover the basics and then you have a let's say an average functional flexibility strength then you start thinking, oh, okay, you know what? I've got good shoulders, I've got good wrist, I've got good elbow, my, my posterity is good. You know what? I'm gonna learn how to do a handstand. Great, let's learn handstand, my friend. You got a basis cover? Let's go and find some tricks to play with. Let's get some cool photos. But we have done already, we have cover what we need to cover. We cover the foundation, we cover the basis. They're looking very good, strong, flexible. Okay, let's just find something really cool to do. But most of the people, they don't want to do the foundation. They want to go and do the cool stuff because it looks cooler, no? Mm. But that's, I don't think that's the right approach to, 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 to a movement practice. Cover the basics. Okay, go and do your whatever you want to do. 
Yeah, so look look at the pattern, check you can actually access that range before you load that range. And then let's look at these compound movement patterns. So when you are saying, right, I need deep shoulder flexion or sort of improved shoulder flexion. So you're basically saying a straight line. Can you put your arm overhead before we start to look at a handstand? Why would you give someone a handstand if you can barely move your arm above your shoulder? Because you're gonna there's something in the way and it's called your head. <laughs> and that's going to take the brunt. Um, I, th I think that, yeah, I, I love that, that you're really basically saying like, we're going to really unwind this body. We're going to move it back to a state of homeostasis to almost like a blank canvas. And then we start to look at these skills because the skills create the journey, don't they? These advanced, advanced skills, uh, to a gymnast, they wouldn't be advanced. They would be basic, but to many of us, they're advanced. They create the journey to move towards, and maybe we never reach them. And maybe we don't have to reach them, as you said, but at least you're on, you're moving in you the right You got a guidance. Direction. Yeah. You got a point where, okay, this is what I want to be. And one, another very important thing is so many people get so obsessed with the results. I need to get to this point. I go three months and they get obsessed with it. And, and then sometimes if they don't reach the goal in three months, what happened? Frustration. So have a goal. Don't worry about the time. Do the homework. Just go for it, you know, little by little. If you reach the goal, great. If not, who cares? If you, unless you are an Olympic athlete that you have a competition in, in four years or eight years or two years, whatever, then you need to be on it. You have to time everything. You have to record everything. You have to be so strict to what you do. You cannot mess around, otherwise you miss out. But if you are a normal person, like I'm a normal human who just moved to be healthy, then I don't need to have that pressure of, I need to be able to do this and I go this time it's, it is not healthy at all. And a lot of people focus on time. How long is it going to tell me to do this? How long is it going to tell me to do that? And I say, I don't work on time frames. I can guide you, I can help you, but I, I don't have any time frames. Why? Because you're going to react different to this person. Who, who, this person learned a handstand in three months. This one, six months. This one, he's been doing handstand for two years and he's still learning. He still can do a handstand. So how could I tell you how long is it going to No one knows. No one knows no one so when people say this is the thing do this in four weeks do this in six weeks like man wow you you are you are you are a magician you can look in the future you are amazing you can do that to people you know if you say that to people how how can you say that crazy huh yeah you can say we're going to start the journey and then i'll give you some tools to go away and work with but that's very different to saying you're actually going to achieve said skill in this time. It comes back to the whole, like the fat loss aspect of the industry as well. It's, it's, it's so bad because, I mean, I find that it can create very unhealthy habits. And I can relate back to years ago where I was in my teens, running long distances, getting quicker, so eating less. So the faster I got, obviously it worked once. The lighter I got, the faster I got and so on and so on but it doesn't create a healthy habit. Whereas when you approach it, what I found through, through my uh, short experience with this is that when you give people movement to focus on, they start to enjoy the movement, they become engrossed in it. The aesthetics just happen. They just, they're just part and parcel of it. It just comes with the practice. It's just part of it. Yeah. Um, but it's about product, it's, product, product. Yeah, and it's so far down the list, there's no stress. Because, and without stress, what happens? The body does rest and digestion. It recovers quicker. It doesn't store fat because it doesn't feel like it's under threat. So 
you reduce someone's stress, you reduce their their need to chase these things and constantly think, why am I not doing this? Why am I not losing this fat? And you say, just enjoy it. Just enjoy the process. We're going to turn up every day or every time we train and we're just going to do it and just enjoy the process and try and look at the details. People's results are so much better that way, in my experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally agree with you. 100%. 100%. 100%. It's about, um, as you say, it's building healthy habits that are sustainable. It's not about going crazy for six weeks. It make a crazy uh, imbalance in your hormones, in your daily life, because you're going to be doing some crazy stuff. Your mood is going to change. Your, it's just, your cortisol levels are going to... Your body is going to be messed up after six weeks. Yeah, you lose six kilos, but what happened after that? You put them back on. <laughs> exactly, and worse. So yeah. why? <clears throat> why? Because it's a, a fitness industry that want to make money. So the quicker they get results, the more money they can make. Because more people who don't know are going to buy what they're selling. It's just, oh man, it really gets me when I see something like that. Oh, I get really, I feel like, whoa, man, you know, I wish, yeah. you know, I could do something, but you know, but I just do my bit. I just do my best with, with what I can. It's, it's helping my, my people. That's mm. the only thing I can do. But looking at the, the positive aspect of that, hasn't that side of the industry promoted more of this movement culture? Because I think without that happening, you wouldn't have had all these people that have really seen the other uh, the other side of this, where this whole movement culture, and because of Edo's huge influence as well on, on that side of it, like bringing these concepts in together and looking at movement as a concept has really averted people's eyes to another side of movement and looking at it is, oh, okay, I can enjoy these processes. I can feel like it's a form of play and not think of it as like, I need to do fitness because fitness makes me healthy and fitness makes me lose weight or gain muscle. So you, I think it's definitely transferred a lot. There's a lot more people coming across, which is why I think like the movement space has done well because people want to move and they want to learn something. They want to, to build skills for life and move in that right direction as opposed to, yeah, I had, I was 6% body fat for a year. So what? I had loads of muscle for one year. It does, these, these are metrics that mean nothing. Nothing at all. I love that that expression here. Yeah, yeah. I, I lift 200 kilos when I was 20. And, and I was 6% body fat when I was 20. Yeah, but what, what, what's your body fat now? What, yeah, yeah numbers, are, numbers are, you know. Yeah, How do you when, feel now? How do you that, feel now? You feel better? Yeah, great. I feel more flexible. I feel looser. I feel strong. I feel like my body doesn't ache as much. Okay, great. That's what we're looking for. That mm. is what we're looking for. You feel better? Yeah. You have less pain in your body? Great. So you have less inflammation? Great. You can move better? Yes. Okay. Brilliant. You know, is your arms a bit smaller than, than 20 years ago? Yes. You have a bit of less fat? Yes. Who cares? You feel it better. You move it better. That's it. Yeah. You enjoy life. And to, to wake up every day, however corny it sounds, but to wake up every day and appreciate you've got a body that doesn't have pain, you can use it as it was intended, and you can do the things that that we were supposed to as human beings if you look at the way we were supposed to have evolved we moved until the day we died and then we just dropped dead as opposed to moving for yeah move for 30 or 40 years and in, in our current scenario and then all of a sudden in our last 20 or 10 20 years we spend time sedentary in a chair and then pass away it doesn't make sense to me i mean it's something i've always looked at and thought that is not going to be me if i go earlier so be it 
if I'm if I'm out of this place a little bit earlier than planned, but I've moved every day and woken up and think I'm going to see the sunrise, I'm going to jump in the sea, um, I want to spend time with my family and, and do the things we're intending or supposed to. That's that's life to me. Hundred percent agree with you. That is what that's what a, a, a good quality of life is. I would say you know get up in the morning, be careful with the, your body that you have. You can move, you can spend time with your family, you can go on holiday, you can go to the sea, you can. I mean that is. You know, basics, my friend, basics. That's what we need to be happy. Doesn't matter how big your house is. Doesn't matter how much money you have in the bank account. If you're not feeling, you know, well with yourself, that money is pretty much useless, worthless. Why? Look at you, look at your, look at how you're feeling in your body. Look at how your body moves. Are you, are you in a, in a good um, harmony with your family? Are you, are you happy with, you know, money cannot buy those things. Can you sleep well? Do you sleep at least six to eight hours nicely? Okay, that's another thing. Do you have depression? Do you have any 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 uh, illnesses related to food? Man, all that stuff, all those illnesses come from from that. It doesn't matter how much money I have. I rather have no money and have none of that, my friend. Just yeah. be able to move. Have my family. We go food on the table. We go shelter. I'm happy. What is do I need? You know. Do you think you appreciate that more so, Alex, because of where you where you grew up? So you really appreciate the basics. Yeah, yeah. I think it. I mean, I have I spoke to I speak to different people about that. Coming from nothing, you know, living in Colombia, really poor family, you know, four kids, single mom, uh, looking after four kids was was difficult, you know. And then I remember that I I used to be bullied in school because my mom used to buy one pair of shoes for the school, and that's the same shoes you use all the time. So that's why I used to be barefoot because I didn't want to, to break my shoes and then go to school with the broken shoes. And sometimes, you know, you go a little hole and then the people take the mickey of you because you have, you know, holes in the shoes. Uh, and, and sometimes there were tough days where there was no food on the table. So now, man, I am the happiest man on the planet. I can afford to buy very good food. I have a, a decent house. I have a job that I, is not my job, is my hobby, which is helping people doing what I like, what is can I ask for? Got a wife, I got two kids, I'm healthy, they are healthy, they go to, to the decent school. Man, you know what? I don't have any money, but I don't need the money because I have the basics, you yes. know? So much to be grateful for there, so much. Yeah, super, yeah. super. And I have been able to help my family back home and my some of their friends and, and you know, some of them have gone to university because I was able to work hard and, and support them. You know, my brother, my niece, my other little brother, they, they study, going to uni. Uh, and and I, I'm very grateful. I'm, I'm privileged that I, I'm here. And, and with what I do, I can earn enough money to, to support them. So, I mean, what is going to ask, you know? Yeah, I, I was talking in the last, uh, on the last podcast I actually uh, recorded was with a good friend of mine, his ex-Royal Marine. And I won't go into too many details, but we covered how going through adversity at some point in your life, nearly everyone I, I've got lined up on, on this podcast and that I've interviewed has gone through um, quite a form of adversity, but they've then decided to go and help other people because of that process. So it really has come back to all of these regrets we have, all of these things we look back on and say, God, that was hard and really struggled in that time. They nearly always benefit us to some degree. They nearly always teach us something to grow from. Totally agree with you. They make us who we are. You you got two okay. choices. You got two choices. You know, when you're in that situation, you either come out 
stronger and reach for something better or you stay there and you die there. It's up to you. You got only two choices. And I decided to know what, you know what, let's go out somewhere. Let's, let's, there are so many opportunities out there. Let's find them. Let's go and find them. Let's go and search for them. And let's, let's make up a better quality. I otherwise I could probably stay there back home and just, and all of my friends, you know, doing the same job, uh, bold, big bellies because they like drinking, they eat bad food. Uh, and I could be the same. I could be there doing the same. Uh, they seem to be happy because they're laughing, but I don't know because that's something that you, you only know from like from the inside. So uh, you see a few things from the externally, but you don't know what how internally they are feeling. Mm. I hope they are happy as well. But uh, I'm 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 privileged that I made a move to the UK and and my life changed and and life of all my family as well. So I mean, you know, super grateful. Um, Alex, it's, it's evident you've helped a lot of people already. I mean, even in the short time I've known you through your training, through setting platforms up and, and really trying to, your whole business model around the platforms as well, like giving back all the time is just such an incredible ethos, but you can you can see that is so evident. Um, something I'd like to highlight there though is move and develop or stay and stagnate. So you basically said if you, you move, we have to move to develop. We have to move to, to keep learning these processes. If we stay still and sit on our laurels and, and just say, that's where I'm at, then things stay as the same or they decline. Yeah, good analogy. Yeah, 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 I like it. It was your analogy. <laughs> that's on you, man. Um, okay, uh, that's actually led me on to sort of the last two bits. What life habits do you have every day that you feel are essential and what i'm really leading to is um every podcast i'm doing i'm just trying to leave people with some habits they can adopt on a daily basis and whether these are processes that work for you as a person or that you've worked with with your clients i think these will have huge benefits to to those of uh, those people listening so they can be daily habits they can be your morning routine or they could even be just training principles as well that we maybe might have covered already or that we haven't covered uh, okay, first of all, these uh, habits that I have, they have been um, piling up for the last, let's say, the last seven years. So it wasn't, it, not everything came into place because a lot of people, when I share what I do, they go like, wow, man, you're bloody crazy. You do all that. And I say, yes, but you have to remember that I didn't, I just didn't wake up, to, didn't wake up this morning. I just did everything in one go. Every, every habit that I have is being taken at least I would say a few years before it becomes like a, a strong habit. You know, it's not like everything just bang. So I get up early in the morning. I get up at 4.45. Um, so quarter to five. And I spend 15 minutes. Um, actually, no. The first thing I do is I get up in the morning. Okay. Go up there. Have a cold shower. Two, three minutes. Sometimes four, sometimes five minutes. Uh, sometimes I feel like, you know what? Today I feel. I always, there is something that I, I do. It's like, there is no... Everything doesn't have to be always the same. It might change. I, I go with my feeling. So I go and have a cold shower. Sometimes I go in the shower and I feel like two minutes is enough for me. And I just go two minutes, come out. Sometimes I go into the shower and three, four, five minutes and I just feel in the cold water. Sometimes I feel that this is what I need now. Tomorrow, I might need one minute or I might want to have eight minutes. So it all depends. So that's something that I, the first thing I do. Then, you know, brush my teeth, get changed, come down to the kitchen, sit in the sofa and I do, I do two things. I do a bit of breath work. Uh, it could be Wim Hof or it could be box breathing. It could be nice and easy. It depends. Again, it changes all the time. Or 
I want to be still. I don't want to think about breathing. I want to sit down and do a bit of meditation. Do I call it meditation? I call it meditation, but it could be just stillness. I do nothing. I sit down, put my hands there, and I just close my eyes and just try to be still, try not to think about anything, but it's difficult because my mind is always, but I try to be still. After that, I have a double espresso. <laughs> and after that, I made my juice. So I made my juice, one or one and a half liter of juices. Juicing has been about for the last maybe four, six months. Uh, I use my juice, every juice that I have has kale, broccoli, spinach, and celery. These are my four main ingredients. Every time my juice has that. And then I add turmeric, I add uh, ginger. I put one fruit. It could be a banana. It could be an apple. It could be mango. I just put one fruit. And then chia seeds, flax seeds, and I use a vegan protein powder. So I make my juice. That's going to wake you up, that one. <laughs> Spicy. <laughs> and it's yeah. in the fridge. It's in the fridge for, for my afternoon, or I take it with me to work. It depends. So yeah. if I'm going to work, I do my juice. If I'm not working, I don't do the juice in the morning. I just do my work and, and I fast. I fast for around, I would say I fast maybe six five to six days a week because Sunday mornings I normally teach my class and then I have breakfast with the family. How long is your fast, Alex? But normally it's normally? Monday to Saturday. Uh, say it again? How many hours do you normally fast? What's your... Minimum, minimum is 16, but uh -huh. uh, sometimes I go for 18, 20. Again, it depends. And once a week, I do a 24-hour fast. So Feels I good. am allowed to, to drink coffee and water. That's it. And I do that. That's pre pretty much my routine. So let's say, Get up in the morning, follow my, my shower, my coffee, uh, do my work. And I normally train or I practice uh, around two o'clock, two to five. And then when I finish my training, let's say four o'clock or five o'clock, I have my juice. So that means I have done 16, 18, depending on what time I had dinner the day before. And then from there, uh, um, I, I have my dinner around eight, sometimes it'll be seven o'clock, depending. Uh, and that's pretty much every day. That's, that's, that's a, a daily routine. And the training, again, it varies, you know, it, it's very intuitive, my training, but, um, but I try to do a bit of everything every week. So spine work, shoulders, hips, uh, hand balancing, pushing, pulling, uh, squatting uh, every week. It, 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 maybe my handstand is going to be, maybe today I do handstands, uh, but next week it might be on Monday that I do my handstand. Yeah. Or I might do back bends today or forward bends or anything, anything related to the spine. I might do it today or, or next week could be on Saturday. So it changes depending on how I feel. But I try to have a little routine that goes every week into the week, but it changes. Yeah. So you're looking at a longer term approach, but whatever happens in that space, it doesn't matter because it's very intuitive. It's like somewhere in there, there's a spine, spine based movement uh, flow or uh, session, and then there's handstands and various other disciplines you're looking at. but you're looking more at the the bigger perspective as opposed to it must be on this day because it's an intuitive approach. Yes. And, uh, and the thing is, I know that when I move, I feel better. And sometimes my body just feels that, you know what, today you want to do some spinal twist and just mm -hmm. twist my spine, rotate my spine. And I feel, oh, you know what, those hips need some, they want some really good stretching or they want to do some strength training. And then I go for the strength training. Mm -hmm. Oh, they might feel, you know what, I just want to get a, a, 
a good uh, cardio session, get on the bicycle, go do some uh, interval training or go for 10K as fast as you can, it changes. And for me, I'm used to do that now. And it doesn't bother me. And some people go like, wow, man, how can you do that? And I say, listen, it works for me. Mm-hmm. It, it, it doesn't have to work for you. You might need some structure. Okay, I'm going to go today. I'm going to do this, 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 and this. Great, because that will keep you there. But I don't need that structure because I am very easygoing. I know that I move every day. I know that I'm going to do something, but I just don't know what I'm going to be doing, yeah, which, is, which is great because... There is no pressure. You go there, you do a little bit of moving. I do a bit of testing to see how my body feels. And then after 10, 15 minutes, I know what I want to do and I just go for it. So good. I mean, so just to recap on that. So for those listening, cold at some point in the morning, which is going to undoubtedly create a bit more of a thermogenic effect as, as you move through your day. Stillness straight after double espresso yeah i'm there with you on that one uh juicing loads of greens in the in the juice as well the turmeric and various other bits and pieces fasting 18 to 24 hours depending and you're generally training at the warmest time of the day for you so when your body temperature tends to peak and you've probably done that intuitively but it's generally around 11 hours after waking so it actually fits exactly into that window so whether you're aware of that or not you've probably been so intuitive with your own body that you've automatically wanted to train at the time where your body's warmest. So that that has huge benefits in terms of athletic results if you were looking to sort of be at the most pliable and look at sort of better results during that time. The last thing I want to talk about, Alex, is the movement space because we've talked about it throughout the podcast and equally where can we find you sort of to look at more information about the work you do and social media, that sort of stuff. Um, okay, so the movement space was was created because of um, because of the pandemic. Actually, you know, I never taught anything online. Is everything was new, um, and then the platforms on the at the moment you have different platforms. Or at that time when we started, you have the yoga platform, or you have the calisthenics platform, and you have the hit platform. I was thinking it would be nice to to create something that brings a bit of everything. So we started with uh, we started with too many things to be honest. We I wouldn't say it was a mistake, but uh, I would say it was a very lear- a good learning process. So we we put some we did some cooking, we did some meditation, we did breath work, we did uh, hand balancing, flexibility, yoga classes. We had about twenty five classes, a lot, and sometimes it's too much for people. You get confused, too much going on, but we didn't know. You know, I said. For me, that was brilliant because you can go to one platform. You don't have to do, you don't have to be a member of yoga, calisthenics. Hit. You just go there and you have everything. Okay, that was what I was thinking. And I just went for it. You know, I already had good connection with different teachers. So it was very easy for me to, hey guys, do you want to be part of this project? Um, great. And then as we went along, then we realized that because we collect data from what's happening, there were not many people watching this. So we started to strip down some of the classes, you know, and then now what we're looking at is to be a little bit more niche. So we're going to be focusing on flexibility, uh, how you move your body. And we want to try to educate people so they can understand what is it that they need. Do you need more spine mobility or do you need more hip flexibility? Then we have specific classes. So we have a, a front split, we have a pancake, we have hip mobility class, we have a full body stretch. 
And we also want you to be strong with your upper body and, with lower, and your lower body. So we have a class where you do pulling, pushing, you do very uh, horizontal, you do vertical, bent arm, straight arm. Uh, and the same with your lower body, you would do squat, CC squat, everything to do with body weight training. So we go classes to cover your lower body strength, your upper body strength, flexibility, full body, and some uh, skill-based classes. We go handstand press with you. We go uh, and we do normal handstands, and I teach a back bends class, which is back bends. We also have little, little classes, small classes, where we focus on specific body parts, like you're doing wrist and shoulders, I'm doing hamstrings and ankles. And then we're trying to do, um, also we're trying to get the class a little bit shorter, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, why? Sometimes one hour class puts people off too long, one hour, they don't have one hour to move. So we're trying to make it shorter. Uh, and then we, we're still learning so much, but at the moment we're thinking about, you know what, now we got something really nice. We got a, this, the, the team of the teachers, which is great. And uh, so the teachers are settled. We go over 150 members now, which is amazing. We're super happy. Uh, the feedback from the teachers is great. So I'm also very happy for that. And we started to make changes. And we go about, we have done maybe 10 different workshops with, with some uh, different teachers from all over the world. Some come and do yoga, some come and do some uh, breath work, some come and do a bit of uh, flexibility work, some come and do some handstands, handstand pressing. So what we want the movement space to be is a place where you can come, try a few classes. We want to educate you. We want to, to teach you how to look after your body. And we want you to understand what is your weakest link. And we, if you know what your weakest link is, then we have a class for you. And then you come and do this class and in three months, you're gonna see a big difference. I mean, we have some um, uh, testimonials already from some of our members and it's been amazing. I mean, we got some, like, honestly, I'm super happy with how things are going. It's going very slowly, but every step is solid. So we're building something here. We got some more projects coming along the way. There's a lot coming. But uh, at the moment, the movement space is, is, is a great platform. It's not because it's ours, but I think what we're offering is very, very, very different to any platform out there. We don't want you to come and think about burn 600 calories, hit this, you're going to get spicy for weeks. We never mentioned that, we said. We help you to open up your hips and hopefully your, your pancake or your split is going to get better. But the aim is not a pancake of the split. The aim is that your hips feel better. If you get a pancake and if you get a split, great. But the aim is actually you have a better movement in your hips, in your shoulders, in your wrists. And now you become more specific. Go and do the handstand. Can you do a handstand? Great. Go and do a handstand press. And we're going you know, we focusing more on that part of the of the movement aspect rather than doing the 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 cooking and the and the meditation and the breath work. We will have some maybe like a guest teacher to come and do a, a breath work class or a little course of six weeks, 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. So very little bits and pieces to complement what we do. But our main thing is going to be the, the movement aspect of the human body. So good. It's like that platform is almost mimicked your your own journey as well but equally a lot of the points we've talked about today is time progress tune into the weak points all of these things we've covered today um are apparent in that platform and obviously it, it's a it's a privilege and grateful to be a part of that as well uh, grateful to be part of that platform because there are some great teachers on that so it's, it's really good to work alongside not just yourself but everyone else on that platform 
Um, I'll put the details in the show notes. So obviously that'll be linked on there. I'll also put a link to yourself, Alex, so people can see you move because your movement, you're an incredible practitioner and also as a coach. So it's really good uh, as an inspiration standpoint to see what this progress, what your journey has led to and what you can still demonstrate uh, doing now, uh, which, which I think is incredible. Alex, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on today. Um, I'm going to have to shoot because funny enough, I'm actually teaching on the movement space. <laughs> <laughs> but really appreciate it, Alex. And um, yeah, I hope to have you back in the future. It's been a pleasure, my friend. Thank you very much for having me. And we, we, yeah, I know. I mean, when it comes to talk about this, we could spend the whole day talking about it, you know, because it's, it's very fascinating to, to, to listen and to talk about uh, someone's journey, journey and, and how everything's uh, evolving slowly, 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 slowly. But that's the best thing, you know, it's very organically. We're not pushing anything. Mm. We haven't even put an act of the movement space, nothing. Everything is organic, organic. And we want to keep it that way because we are not in a rush. So don't rush. Just let it. Just keep going and let it happen. It's going to come. Yes. Good yes, things come. Let it happen. Awesome. Thanks, okay, Alex. my friend. Thank you Ab- so much indeed. Absolute and, pleasure. Uh, you have a nice rest of the day. Love to the family, and uh, we catch up another time. And to you, Alex. All the best. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for joining me for the fourth episode of Human First. It was a pleasure to have Alex on the podcast. He is a true gentleman and a good friend. As he mentioned, we could have continued to discuss these subjects for hours and I hope to have him on again in the future to do so. If you're enjoying the podcast, please support us with a like, subscribe or rating and I will see you on episode five. Thank you for listening.